0: Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, an interesting interrogation of the incidents incited by relegation, including the impossibly intriguing implications of investment. We're joined by McGee, uh, his new uh, moniker that we're going to be going with and keeping a straight face while we say it, uh, and also Edie uh, to dissect the end of the season and talk about where we go from here. investment mcg where are you on a scale of convinced anastasio is the next venki's disaster to planning which europa league regulars you hope we draw where we qualify undoubtedly in 18 months time
1: i'm definitely at the end of looking around europe at places i'd like to go and watch norwich play i was too young when we went to Bayern munich and into milan um and so i'm at that end of things love it i do think that that's a bit of a surprise to me. I, I love I'm a big fan of the model we have. I'm skeptical that, um, big money coming in, or I've always been skeptical that big money coming in, uh, won't end up biting us on the backside. Um, but this guy seems legit. I think that we need to like, there's a lot we need to know before we can get too excited. How much money are we talking about? Is he just buying, uh, up shares, and so the money's not actually going into the club, and he just wants to to be around as a plaything for his kids. You know what investment are we talking about? Is there ownership going to change now or in the future? Um, and and how is it going to change things for us but if you were to say who who do we want to be coming in and uh, bringing us money this guy is the kind of person that we would want, he's not shady uh, he's really transparent in the way that he um, owns the Milwaukee Brewers, he seems like uh, as extremely wealthy people go, uh, a pretty decent sort of chap, first thing I did given he's American was go and look who's, who he's donated money to and he only donates money to Democrats um so he's not he's not a sort of a Trumpian maniac so you know look the other thing for me is the Milwaukee Brewers have a a literal slide in their outfield and every time they score a home run uh, their mascot like slides down it in celebration and I just think that's the kind of thing we need a lot more of at Carrow Road so I' right, let's get I'm, ben I'm excited, designing a nori-
0: I reckon Ben Stokes <laughs> could do an incredible a c n norwich slide now a couple of things a couple out of things the, to pick up the on. holiday in ah, yeah a couple of things to pick up on there the first thing is you mentioned early doors about you know when the details come out and when we know a bit more about the details and i've um since since we failed to win one of the must win games we needed towards the start of our running, and it became really really clear what was happening i've been off um uh twitter completely um and and doing no social media other than looking at golf videos on tiktok and i dipped back into twitter uh just before this pod to see what listening questions we had Uh, and just have a quick scroll to 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 take the temperature of of that tribe it's incredible how exercised people can get with so little information and 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 some you know some sensible people saying oh well see yeah it's not full investment it's just 18 percent and I don't know why you all got so excited. It's like, but you don't know what's going to be happening further down the line, um, and you don't know whether or not it's a stepping stone. And, and one other thing you mentioned was, oh, it might just be a, a plaything for for the children. There are much closer and more geographically convenient playthings if you literally just wanted to say, hey, this one can be the, these shares can be in your name. There are a lot of smaller American franchises. That, that he could have have that kind of investment in uh, and say off off you go including people like forward madison for example there's the soccer team near near the brewers um with some of the best shirts in in american soccer um so yeah i um i'm, I'm confused as to how how people are, are, can be in either camp in terms of um, this is definitely a fantastic thing, but I completely agree, or or or, or, a, ter- or a terrible thing, and, and oh, we should be disappointed that it's not a full-on takeover. But I agree with you. I don't know what you think, Edie. All the research I've done is, you know, like McGee says, if you um, if you list the things that you would be worried about um, in terms of, like, say, politics and obvious disgusting things that we can Google and find easily, he does seem to check out as one of the better rich guys, right?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not exactly, it doesn't sort of feel like a Glazers situation. Um, but I think definitely it's, it's worth looking at the Glazers situation to just remember that the phrase, just the tip, um, can often apply in these circumstances. So it's it's just sort of the kind of early investment of a little tiny chunk. Um, that might go two ways for us. We might actually see more of something that we actually want to see like um, 100% of. So it's it's just really like a question, I think, of at least getting a little bit of investment, seeing how it pans out. Will it bring greater scrutiny? Will it actually mean that the right questions are being asked in terms of our efficiency as a business and the consistency of the messages we're putting out?
0: Well, we're about to come on to um, the the latest Web relations. Um, from that interview oh, at the well end of, I, I, I can't believe I haven't seen it used more often really um but it's again I haven't been on Twitter so it might have been what everyone has said every every day but um yeah Punt what, what do you think about that with regards to the, the Weber stuff do you think having some financial heavyweights who have been there seen it done it at a successful level in, in a bigger uh environment in terms of number of eyeballs that have been on that on that baseball franchise um do you think that will bring great scrutiny for the executive committee
3: yeah um, i think it's something that i've been really interested in since zoe ward has been appointed to the board is there's massive conflicts of interest in there if they're looking at scrutinizing the football side of the business and that is a worry for me in so much as look we know that that delia and michael you know both are, are very much of the opinion that they employ experts to run their football club, and they have deemed Stuart Weber to be the expert that they needed to run their, you know, the football side of of that particular club or our particular club. Um, so, if at a point where you know we have continually failed, and I think we can now say that you know two successive seasons in the Premier League we have failed, where is the scrutiny? And you know, and none of us are inside that boardroom, so we don't know what difficult conversations are are going on. But someone who is highly successful in business someone who has a proven track record of taking a smaller sporting team and have them compete at the top end. Because um, as, as far as I'm concerned, and Matthew probably backed this up, you know, the Brewers have been competing at the, at, at the top end of, of their leagues. That feels like the kind of thing that that we need. It's interesting, I think, that that when they took over the Brewers, I'm pretty sure that the, the kind of equivalent of Stuart Webber stayed in post. And it either remains in post or stayed in post for for some time but I'm just going back to the, the question of investment I'm really surprised in myself that at how quickly I'd warmed to the idea of it and how quickly most of the fan base warmed to it because I've always been like a huge I've said on this podcast, podcast several times I've been a huge advocate of our model I think I'd love nothing more than a self-funding model 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 to work in the Premier League purely because it's it's flipping the bird to the the Premier League it's flipping the bird to the the wider kind of rent-a-gob national punditry pool because we'd have stuck to our principles and and we'd have done it on our own and I I thought I still think I still think that we could you know with a fair wind that it would be possible and it comes down to and this is kind of coming full circle it comes down to a failure this season an abject failure in recruitment now whether you put that at Stuart Weber's door or Daniel Farker's door or the wider recruitment team's door you know place it wherever you want but at the same time we don't know the conversations that are going on in the boardroom or between you know kind of Stuart Weber and, and executives about what's gone wrong we don't know the lessons that are being learned but it doesn't I don't know it doesn't feel like there's any kind and we'll get onto this with um, the Weber interview doesn't feel like there's any kind of massive acceptance of responsibility, and there really seems to be this line that the club is pushing about um, a collective failure. And I'm just, well, it, it, I don't. Does it not remind well, you a bit uh, of Partygate?
0: Does it yeah, not remind you a bit of Partygate? everyone should be ready to move on. Well, no, we'll tell, you, we'll tell you when we're ready to move on. Thank you very much.
3: But also, like last time out, 1920, Stuart Weber comes out and does an interview and says, "Don't blame Daniel." Blame me. This is completely my fault. We're completely underarmed for this. Blame me. This is on my shoulders. This is absolutely one hundred percent me. And it's very different messaging this time around. Now, whether that's a conscious decision, because as we know, there is a PR agency involved with the club now, which is getting paid quite a lot of money to you know kind of to do that work. There is a different head of communications. I think from when we went down last time, or, or no, actually might be the same head of communications. But again, you know, they're, they're looking to shift the narrative it just feels a little bit uneasy to me and, well, and I mean, bringing that back additional scrutiny from a successful businessman or business person i think would be definitely welcome
0: yeah and, and so with regards to to that the, the third thing i think we need to talk about off the pitch wise is the these minutes from the can the canaries trust and we were already aware of of some from very strongly worded statements sent directly to um to certain members of the Norwich City fan base who are not employees of the club to, to kind of watch their mouths publicly. Um, and I wonder, Edie, whether or not Weber this time is not as in a stronger position he necessarily feels to say, hey, put it on my back. I, I did really well in year one. I haven't done very well in year two. Trust me to get it right in year three. Maybe because of that kind of PR misstep that happened with the um, Everest article, so recently he didn't necessarily feel or he was advised PR wise. I, I don't know if, if Stuart Webb is the sort of person who would take advice and, back, and work on it. I think he, he feels he knows what's best for him. Um, do, do you feel maybe that's why he didn't feel he could say, Hey, let, let's let, I want to carry the can for this. Cause he doesn't currently have enough sway with supporters based on what was seen as a misstep recently.
2: Well, I am um he clearly doesn't have any Kipling written on the walls of the training centre, because that whole thing about it doesn't matter how you behave when you're doing all right. It's when you, the chips are really down that counts. And yet yeah, before he took accountability during a period of failure, but there wasn't this level of just, this is like a 3D uh, like mega movie of a failure. And it's entirely possible to turn around during this point and act as if it's something we're all sharing as an experience, which we are, but there's just this one person at the center of it all at the moment going, it's you, it's you, it's them, it's, it's this, and absolutely not even addressing that little area where they might have had one iota of responsibility. Um, So it's, it's definitely, I kind of get the feeling that over the last few years, Stuart Webb has had a toolbox, and in that toolbox have been some really great uh, devices for leading people, for motivating people, for bringing people together. Um, but I think somewhere along the line, it's sort of the the growth mindset that's always being preached about here has actually disappeared, because um, much like Homer Simpson's glove slap. Uh, these tools that initially can open doors and make magic happen. He's just applying them willy-nilly, left, right, centre. He applies them in one direction. He applies them in the other direction. And now it's completely inconsistent. And then, yet yeah, he's feeling like, why, why is my glove slap not working? And he's feeling quite antagonised about it. And that's coming through in everything he's doing. And it's just not a good vibe um, that the person who's supposed to be leading is just turning around and not even admitting that they had any kind of input into this situation, and just pointing the finger at, at everyone else. So it's it's definitely like we've reached a point where that cannot continue one way or another.
0: No, it's it's a that's, weird. That's
2: I think what he's being so weird right now.
0: It's a weird manifestation of siege mentality um because so going on to the thing we were just about to touch on with regards to canaries trust minutes which are if in case you haven't seen um that the club have have now kind of put on record publicly via those minutes um that they feel and this this comes from dan although i think it's a you know we know that it comes from the the ownership down of the club um we feel that people in in public in public who previously have been supporters of the club have been critical are you know calling for people's uh, ch- to change jobs lose jobs um and that's a really bizarre stance to take given one the, the catastrophic failure of, of season that we've just had and, and it's fairly common with anyone with an article podcast um head of a supporters group whatever if you're asked for an opinion or paid or whatever for an opinion um on your outlet where you typically say we played well on saturday we played badly on saturday what are you going to say oh we should carry on doing this this is terrific we just you know we we narrowly avoided you know a record points uh, haul in the premier league by being so dreadful predictably for the second time um in a row i, I it's a, it just seems really strange to me to th- the fact that we've got this this Weber behavior of blaming the fans or or, he, or even even though he didn't explicitly do so for the first for the first response in that interview bear in mind it's an in-house thing right so there's no gotcha journalism here um you know, it, that they presumably did the in-house to prevent or try and control the narrative in some way, then they've edited it or overseen the editing of it and allowed the first thing that any of us see in that 33 minutes is him responding saying the fans gave up too quickly. It's just like, sorry, what on earth are you talking about? Um, you know, there's anyone with There is with no any,
2: scrutiny here, is there? It's, it's, what Nobody's it's,
0: checking in and going, should you, should you do that? But that's one of the things you just think if, you know, we had, you know, we've interviewed people from the club of various different uh, ranks from ownership to player to to, to scout. And there's been the odd thing that's been said that I have edited out because I thought that makes you sound like a bit of a dick. And even though I know in the context of the conversation, you haven't meant to sound like a bit of a dick. I've taken it out because you stumbled over your words or you said something that isn't quite politically correct or whatever. I've taken things out not because I've been lent on and we've been really fortunate that most of the time we haven't been lent on for, for what we've included for, for interviews and stuff. And um, this is obviously going back. We haven't had much access this year. Um, so, so I, the, the idea, and this is why I think the Archant lads were so taken aback by the whole, you know, the, the, the local media. So I re- watched the, I watched the reaction video that Connor and Paddy, who I think are fantastic beat reporters for for Norwich, and we're really lucky to have them. Um, And I think them, along with Michael Bailey, the athletic incredibly even-handed the way that they cover the club. Um, And I think they always try and see the benefit of the doubt when they can and have done over the last few years. And I saw their reaction video to the Stuart Webber interview, and they spent the first 10 minutes. I mean, Paddy, was you could tell, was furious at the idea that that the, the local media had given up or the local media had rounded on them. And, at no point do I remember any kind of really negative campaign I think Farker was treated incredibly even-handedly compared to some of the way other Premier League managers have been hounded out after not even that bad run of results so so Matt what's your kind of lasting thoughts on that on that kind of interview do you think there was do you think that's done long-term damage or 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 do you think we're we're three wins in the first five games of the championship season away from everyone forgetting that Webber had a misstep there
1: I think I think we are a few wins or a few million dollars away from people moving on from the interview but the thing that I think is should worry us all is the, what, what that interview tells us about the mindset of the leadership and, and also who's, ad, who's advising them. If you take a step back and think about what they were trying to do with that interview, there's no requirement to do something like that. They're trying to do an end-of-season in, end interview to close the door on last season, take some responsibility and accountability so that there was a sense of togetherness with the fans and also to lay out a plan to show leadership for the next phase. And that's what they did um, uh, in previous seasons, especially in the season, uh, the the last relegation, did it really, really well. Um, But against all of the things that Stuart Webber says he's about, honesty, accountability, transparency, and and against the criteria for what they were trying to do with this interview, they failed very badly. Um, I think they've made themselves look um, uh, dishonest. I think they've made it look like they aren't taking accountability. We didn't see much of a... A plan for how to do recruitment differently and better next time and, and worst of all I think they made themselves look really weak um, doing that kind of in-house interview and doing it because all the you know the local media were really mean to us I mean the I read these trust minutes and just sort of was jaw is jaw-dropping for them to in black and white say that they wouldn't do standard basic PR work because the local press have been a bit mean to them I think makes Stewart and the rest of the team look really really weak and I tell you you know none of these people should work in politics for a day because the 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 media is brutal brutal in other uh, sectors and in to other clubs I think we are lucky with the quality of the journalism we have locally but it is also um not not tame, but pretty gentle. So I, I, I think that it made them, it makes me question their internal thinking, their siege mentality, and honestly, I think their weakness as well. So I think people move on from the interview, but I'm not sure, I'm quite, I, I'm not reassured that we've got a strong leadership that we'll need next season if it does get bumpy.
3: I've and, got a real issue with, and you talked about it, Tom, briefly, that they sought to control that message by in housing it. And uh, it, look, I, we kind of got wind that that, that interview was, was going to drop. I was told that actually Alice Piper sat down with Stuart Webber for about an hour. It's 33 minutes. So they've definitely, you know, and Alice Piper, look, I have no opinion of, of her as a journalist. I've seen her on the All in Yellow podcast do a really good job in terms of interviews and and ask some what I would have thought were quite searching questions for like a, an official club podcast. Um, so, you know, she could well have asked a lot of questions that we didn't see the answers to, but if you've edited down from approximately an hour to 33 minutes, some of the answers were clearly cut. You can tell by the way that video runs, they've cut bits out of the answers. Cause I think Stuart Weber says something along the lines of, in terms of responsibility, it starts with us and then there's a big pause and then he kind of goes and it ends with us. And I'm thinking there's probably loads of shit that you've said in the middle of that 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 is you know slightly controversial, so the answers are cut they've cut out large swathes of it, and actually the there didn't seem to be the the follow up scrutiny that maybe Archant or the b b c you know with Chris Gorham, who I think asks really intelligent questions of of senior leaders at the football club or someone like Michael Bailey would have asked, and we'd have also got it warts and all with them. And it just worries me that that they weren't up for that appropriate challenge, even if they'd have gone, look, do you know what? We haven't fallen out with the BBC and we're just going to do the BBC, or we haven't fallen out with Michael and, and we're just going to do him. It was just this, oh shit, batting down the hatches because, you know, they might all really be mean and they might all be in the same WhatsApp group talking to each other and isn't it awful, you know, kind of thing. It just, it felt wrong and it feels like this, this insular approach that that they've kind of gone to now is oh, just—it's just rubbish, it's really isn't it? Small it, it's, time, it's, yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's that's what I think the, that, that, ED, that's,
0: thats the thing I'm thinking about the the American influence. So, so go back to the, the, the top of the podcast, talking about uh, the, the, this brewer's chap and his his potential. Um, as British as I can be, this brewer's chap. Let's see what he's after. Um, but that—that's what I'm really hoping for. Even if he's doing something, I think it was Mick Dennis who, who brought up that it sounds like the deal from what little we know, and he's probably got a bit more insight than a lot of us um, the, with his relationship, but they, um, it sounds like it might be similar to how they bought the Turners in for a kind of loan based on some shares. And it might be that there's no immediate cash in, cash injection, but it's basically a foothold, let's see how this works, Try try both on for size and see whether or not further... Uh, investment follows in future or or, or 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 loans on the basis of certain returns is, is invested in future now what what excites me about that is yeah okay it would be lovely if we we get given a transfer kitty to guaranteed promotion but what's probably with where the club is at the moment just as important is some big boy pants scrutiny you know some proper a, a proper chief financial officer um, to to scrutinise what is going on at the club and what's being spent and it is not um, so you know I don't want to get a a letter telling me off from the club or or, or anything but um, it is not uh, um, being critical to as punt said earlier today to to call into question the conflict of influence uh, interest that is on the board if if you know if I were to work in a position with my wife on in any business or any venture of course it's going to be almost impossible for me to to view her activity and her behavior through a lens that isn't that's the person that is bringing up my children with me or what have you do you know what I mean is it's perfectly valid to say to, to ask that question when things aren't going well how do you square that circle how do you what Procedures and methodologies do you have in place? What third party or independent consultant or whatever it might be? What is your methodology for? Well, what happens if to, to when when it comes to Stuart's performance review? Because clearly, Zoe can't do that. And if the if the if the ownership, and we know this from speaking to them personally, if they've got a deliberate look, we uh, we custodians of the club. Um, and we know that there are people in football who know a lot more about transfers, budgets, and everything that we do. So we pay people who know more than us to to do what we should do, because they, unlike a lot of people, have haven't turned their back on experts. Um, then then they clearly also can't hold Stuart to an account in that way, because they've already said, well, you know more than us anyway. So maybe this this what I'm hoping for from this relationship, if it you know gets it signed and done, um, maybe. It, it, it turns out that we do get that we lose a bit of that village style um, uh, running of the show, which I don't think was there two years ago, but seems to have developed over the course of this season. We we just seem to have gone backwards in terms of how grown up the club externally seems to behave. Um,
3: and, and but you mentioned this last podcast, Tom. So yeah, and, and I I thought about this the other day, right? So um, and you, and you've just kind of triggered my memory because you said about Andrew and Sharon Turner so you have Delia and Michael obviously as the majority shareholders um you know at the football club you have um Stuart Weber and Zoe Ward as a you know kind of as a married couple who are pretty much now you know the big bosses the executives at, at the football club um you had Andrew and Sharon Turner who I think it was seen because they were a partnership it, that was seen as as a benefit to Delia and Michael and I know it's you know decades ago now but again it's another couple you have a couple running the community sports foundation in in Jackie Thornton and in Ian Thornton that's not a coincidence is it that that, that happens and I don't know that you know I, I have no firm opinion as to whether that's the right model or the wrong model but you don't see it in any other business really do you that there's just this, this this kind of swathe of couples you know kind of running what is you know kind of massive businesses or foundations with you know millions and millions of pounds it'd be a state. cracking episode of wife swap wouldn't it <laughs> the three of them switched <laughs> i'd watch that but it, for an hour <laughs> but it you know it, it is it's a weird concept isn't it it's not and i, I look dilia and michael have talked when things were going well they've talked about the fact that they like this kind of almost this this flat managerial structure and, and collective leadership rather than just having you know kind of one at the top but what you did have with someone like ed balls as chairman is someone who probably would have offered that that challenge and would have acted as a right so what's going on here you know kind of what's the development plan you know kind of what are we all thinking why did that go wrong and look for all we know those conversations could be happening but there's no assurance that they're happening at the moment
0: well that was what paddy and um connor also said in you know, after the the web video they basically said um and they said they prefaced it with the same as what you said you know it's not Alice's fault she didn't uh edit the the the, the interview or whatever um you presume um uh, you know she's asking the questions and, and and you can tell from her earnest nature that there probably were some questions that maybe were slightly more uncomfortable than the ones that we saw the answers to um but um they basically said yeah she did a really good job however the answer to the question that he gave at the top there's no follow-up there was no follow-ups on any of the things. There was no challenging of, well, hang on, if that's the case, then why did you do this? And if, you know, and so, for example, the recruitment answer was something like 20-odd seconds. And and it's like, well, if any other media outlet had Weber for five minutes, they would probably spend five minutes of it on the the, the re- recruitment because that is fundamentally the biggest problem. We, it was obvious by the end of September that, that we had recruited badly um so you know that that needs a lot more scrutiny and um i want to slightly shift focus onto um kind of the off season and 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 it's quite a short one it's not that long before with they we start playing pre-season games want to talk about the squad and, and and so recruitment stays at the fore so coming to you first matt what where do you think from a from a kind of players in and out point of view what do you think is the biggest challenge that that we face in terms of either keeping a player that you're worried might leave, or um, maybe a player that's likely to still be in the fold that you really think we'd be better off moving on from?
1: I mean, re- recruitment gives me a sense of déjà vu because we need to replace Oliver Skip and Emmy Buendia, um, <laughs> and that's still that's still the issue that we've got. Um, I think you know. In terms of the 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 two questions, I'm really I don't know why, but I'm really worried about Pookie. I, I just I think that he's he's got to be the first person on the team sheet, and I just I don't know. There was vibes at the end of the season. John, you were winding us all up about about him uh, heading out the door. I would really like to get some certainty around around him. In terms of people going out. You know, I don't have any particular beef with um, uh, Rashidza or or Sargent, but for me, I think that some, I I would like to see one or both of them. Head out the door because I think there needs to be some recognition that the recruitment last time around didn't work, and we shouldn't be starting from a a place of what what have we got now. We should be starting from what do we actually need. And I don't know what system Dean Smith is going to have next season. Don't really understand what his what identity he wants to put on this team. But I think one of those two going out the door with an acknowledgement that it didn't work and why would really help us sort of understand what it is that we need.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good point, and it, it's um, one of the reasons we feel so rudderless at the moment. And while that detachment is there, I said I've said it within, I said it within a few days of Smith being appointed. I mean, he, the the um, who was it that we had that was was a filler that we had who was singing nice songs about him at the end of the game when they were winning comfortably. But you know, they seem to have, um, and Brentford have got good. Good kind of feeling and rapport with him, and I know they, they kind of won things with them. But I'm I'm really interested in terms of whether or not we're going to get a, maybe a pre-season sit down with him again, maybe via the club channel, where he talks about what his philosophy is and what he wants to achieve and the squad he wants to shape and what his values are in terms of competing in this way and playing this type of football and being hard to beat or being difficult to break down or being moving the ball quickly or do you know what I mean it, it, the, the the chalk and cheese nature of him of Farker to him I think hit all of us more maybe just from a pure relationship with the club point of view than we realized there was going to be and amongst the transfer stuff I completely agree with you that Uh, whilst I think Sargent or Rashica could play a prominent role in a top six championship team, having watched the playoff final at the weekend and a bit of the playoffs before that, they both seem to have enough quality to to be involved. I I agree that that there needs to be some form of reshaping this squad in Dean Smith's honour, because again, when we come back to scrutiny, how long do you give a manager, well, it's not his squad, is it? Oh, it's not, you know, he's got a player system based on the players he inherited. It's, It's, it's not feasible. I mean, what about you, Edie? How, how you know how much of a shake-up do you think that there's likely to be?
2: Probably. I mean, it all depends on investment, doesn't it? Like, what happens next is going to basically chart the course for the the next journey. But I I think like what what's what's going on with solace <laughs> Like, what's what's the what's the skinny he, on that? He's playing like,
0: under twenty one international football this this weekend, isn't
3: he? then
2: possibly off to belgium
3: what's
0: (laughs)
2: different like okay so here's how i cured myself of a terrible shopping habit i would take the things that i'd spent the most money on that were most ludicrous and i forced myself to give them to charity not to put them on ebay but to give them to charity and go right that is your punishment for making such a dumb decision (laughs) and i think like that solace is like the kind of the ceremonial acknowledgement that we need to make this is the dumbest thing ever, and I don't know why it was dumb because no one's really explained it. anything. It's, it's like he just rocked up, he was very expensive, he t- took a penalty he wasn't supposed to, and then, then just sort of haunted <laughs> the, the you know, like the Phantom of the Opera or something, only terrible. So, there is
0: something haunting yeah, about him,
2: yeah, yeah, he's just it's 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 like having a second mascot
0: <laughs> but 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 I was but if, if if Captain Canary had like a surly mate <laughs> he brought her along with him um like a sort of a frustrated budgerigar no exactly it's that. yeah I, I um th- when you look at the the recruitment you just think well going to your point sorry Matt about, about Pookie and thinking about the recruitment what do you reckon John, Jonathan Jolly pump, pump, Punt pun, do you think that we that he wants to play two up front with with Ida and and, and Pookie, which just started to bear fruit for him, and and go down that path because we we do have some players to do that. But my my version of the Ziollis, uh sergeant, Rashida um, uh, side of things is, is Placetta. You know, I I just think. He, he he shouldn't be in a in a championship eleven, like let alone Premier Premier League eleven. Yeah. I, 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 he he can't deliver a ball. He's he, he's not even that fast when you see him against fast players.
3: So there's a there's a lot. Do you to think that's the way he'll go? That doing. kind of that like, wing, those wingers, 40. and two up front. Yeah. So the the answer to that is no one's got any fucking idea and the the reason behind that is that he stumbled upon that formula I think purely because of the players that he had available and he had to try something different and that started with what the Everton game I think when Anida and, and Pookie were kind of paired up top together um, with Sergeant on the right essentially it was just right let's play as many forwards as we can um, be a little bit more agricultural because actually we haven't got the quality to compete at Premier League level and we got a couple of results off the back of that. We dragged ourselves out of the um, the drop zone. Who knows, had Adameda, um remained fit for the, the remainder of the season, all right, teams would have started to figure us, figure us out a bit more, but we may have made a better fist of, of staying up. But you talked about it a moment ago around, well, so what will he do in the championship? What worries me is Dean Smith was overtly asked that at a press conference the other day. And he said, oh, well, yeah, I know the way I want to play. And it's got four pillars, but I'm not going to tell you. And it's like, hang on, mate. We've just come from a culture where, you know, and Stuart Webb has talked about it with transparency and honesty and all the rest yeah. of it. And Daniel Farker being really clear about, look, this is how we're going to play football to Mr. Insurance Salesman, Dean Smith, you know, who's who's quite vanilla Going, no, I'm not going to tell you the way we're going to play because that might alert the opposition to it. Mate, it's going to be abundantly obvious after about three or four games anyway. And what was really good about um, the Weber and Farker partnership and this kind of new era that was ushered in with Farker Ball was the fact that we were getting told exactly what was about to happen, even when it was what 17, 18, and it was a transitional season we were being communicated to properly, we were being told the way in which the, the club was going to go about things in terms of its transfer business, in terms of the, the way in which the team would operate on the pitch. And it just felt like you could get behind that. And I can't, yeah. in, in, in all honesty, get behind a manager when, you know, it's, you, you're not going to tell me the way you're going to play? Hang on. Like, you know, you we probably need to reset on that. And I think that's why a lot of people probably feel a a lot more disconnected um with Dean Smith than maybe they should do because you know he needs to learn the lessons maybe from his from his predecessor and, and be a bit better at just communicating his vision getting to jo- Jolis though and and rashid Sir and and Sergeant, I actually as you said we've we've got the semblance of probably an all right you know top six championship squad and and if with a fair wind if we start you know, kind of relatively well. I can, I can see us, you know, challenging at the top end. There's nothing to fear when you look at all of those teams um, that make up the championship next season. There's absolutely zero to fear, and we should be right up there. But it is about ably replacing, as Matthew had said um, so eloquently, Wondia um, and Ollie Skip or Alex tetter or however far you want to go back, because defensive midfield is just one of those positions that we haven't been able to adequately recruit for 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 years and now is the season where we need to do that properly. And if that means we need to go and invest 10 million quid in it, um, then just get on with it because actually we we know how much of a commodity um, that particular position is.
2: Well, that, that's... You know the- what as well? Like in terms of all this sort of like pitch, pitch stuff, all the pitch talk, the that's football. all we... All the pitch yeah, talk, but, all the pitch no, no. stuff. <laughs> it's the stuff that's going on off the pitch... I think we need to know about as well like what on earth is going on with conditioning that like this injury run has just it's not as bad as the fabled injury run but it's still happening and weird decisions were made around the COVID era about continuing on playing you know um, people were not particularly well on you know going out there what's what's kind of what's is that just going to go on the same way as it always was um, is there and in terms of training, is there going to be any focus on perhaps not passing to Pookie like it's a game of netball, because that man moves fast, and everyone likes to pass at him where he is at the moment and not where he will be fairly shortly. Not
0: Steepman, so not Stieperman and not Buendia. Basically, that, that you know, two players who understood well four yards in front of where he will be in five minutes. Yeah, you're right. You're completely right. Nailed it.
2: So it's it's just all of that kind of like the soft football let's call it that just the kind of little extras a butterfly flaps its wings in hong kong the stock market crashes elsewhere all these little sort of housekeeping things like i think liverpool did really well um mainly because yeah, they lost of... no i mean overall <laughs> in terms of their strategy of man management it's, it's, you know, they had an individual mental health program for each player. Mm. It's those little kind of it's like this is this is Hogwarts for footballers. These are all children. They can't be put in charge of their own fitness and destiny. They need to be given all of their personalized vitamins every day. They need to be told what to do. They need to be protected. If they're going to overtrain, they need to be reined back in. And if they've had a bonk to the noggin and they think they can carry on playing, then that's not their decision to make. It's all of this stuff that I think like, it would be lovely to tighten up.
0: Yeah, I think some of the the, the, the physical stuff that we saw uh, when we were allowed to be a bit closer to the, 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 the squad and the, the club and we were a bit more involved and it was a bit more of a community spirit with the media outlets than, than it has been in the last year before the kind of defences went up. Um, they, they do have a lot of that personal plan. There's personal hydration, personal vitamins, and all of these things are all laid out for them. And, and I think there's a, there's a piece from Michael Bailey about, about that, the way he did some stuff with um, the kind of gesturing preparation. But you're completely right that there, is, there does seem, you just don't get the impression that we know what we're doing and and losing gives you that impression. But also to to go back to what Punt said about how transparent things were in 1718, one of the reasons 1819 was so enjoyable was because we felt like we were being rewarded for for patience during the during the transition, if you see what I mean. You know, it was almost it was so delightful for, for we're gonna try and play this brilliant football, we're just gonna play this brilliant football, we're gonna have to learn to do it and we're gonna to have to learn to do it better than the people who are trying to stop us because going back to your point Matt about oh there's four pillars we don't want to tell anyone in case someone finds out what it is well yeah they are going to work it out but then do those four pillars so brilliantly and I I can't help but think because Dean Smith just just seems so uninspiring that it's you know goalkeeping defending midfielding and attacking <laughs> do you know what I mean I just I can't help but think that's what he thinks he's come up with but um I know I don't. I hate it. I hate having this opinion of our manager. I want to be. I want to. I want to run through a brick wall as a fan for him. I want to feel like, you know, super motivated. And some of the performances that were turned out under the end of the FARC regime, they had lost that loving feeling. That, that, that Lee's performance. Completely understand why that was the end of that because it, you could just see that they didn't have that. They'd lost that belief that we can do it even against all the odds we can if we keep doing it Daniel's way they had lost that belief whether or not they could have got it back with a, a series of lucky results or whatever after Brent after the Brentford win away who knows but point is it was clear from the performances leading up to that point that had gone and I, I I only felt in two or three pockets in Smith's regime so far did they seem to start to believe that they were on to something different and part of that was the momentum around Eda's kind of surge to form but I, I, you know, we know that some people around the club listen to to us prattle on, and they are aware of, of, they do check things. How can they not realise, from a communications point of view, that that we feel, and we, I say we, as in speaking on behalf of thousands of fans, that the fans feel disconnected. We feel frustrated that we're not being included. We're not being listened to. We're being blamed. We're not being given the benefit of the doubt for being intelligent enough to take on, you know, a transitional period. Because again, John, you made a really good point there. We we literally we literally have got recent history of where we were told, look, it might be rough for a bit, but this is why. This is the state of the finances, this is what we're planning to do. And I don't think there is going to be a big injection of investment because if you remember Weber kind of said, all there's some exciting things coming up in the next two to three weeks um which is interesting they left that in but that was at the same time as saying there isn't any money so clearly those two things of something being exciting in two or three weeks and there being a lot of money to spend are not connected so yes yeah, it's, it's it's an odd one really I I, I want to feel more I want to feel more positive um than I do at the moment and and I think a lot of that is to do with the off the, the pitch stuff as you say Edie um so just as we kind of do a couple more reviewing um, what's just gone. Punt, is there anything that you'll miss about the Premier League?
3: Oh, yeah, maybe. Right, so we have the Championship versus Premier League debate a lot because we're a yo-yo club and and that's, you know, kind of, ultimately it always comes down to, or, you know, would you prefer being in the Championship and being a competitive club to just being at the bottom end of the Premier League? But there's an element and I've said this before on the podcast like a long time ago when we were having a similar debate but there's an element of being able to enthuse like the next generation so winning helps a lot with that so you know if we're really successful in the championship then of course you're going to enthuse it but that's that's probably going to be like those families and those kids that are already kind of have like a a semi-vested interest in the football club but Actually, knowing that, I don't know, you're going to see Mosala or Raheem Sterling or, you know, next season, you know, Erling Haaland at Carra Road, I've seen it firsthand with young children. That creates a sense of wonder in their eyes because they're the names that, you know, kids talk about on a playground. They're the names that, oh, I don't know, are probably doing a, a Advert for Gillette razors or whatever—they're the ones that are on the front of which the kids love. (laughs) No, but you know they're on the telly regularly. You know this is this is the thing. Like Raheem Sterling does Gillette, and he's you know kind of he's probably there every time you watch Sky Sports News if the adverts come on. You know he'll be there in an advert. They're on the front of magazines, so you know kind of they're seen in shops, and it's it's just that recognition that Norwich are among that elite, and you know they're going to be competing, and all right, we're going to get beaten by them, but. There's something special about, I think, kids getting excited because they're going to see those players that, you know, are some of the best in the world. So I will miss that about the Premier League. Um, But that's about all I'll miss, really. What about you, Edie?
2: Um, I quite like us in the Premier League. We're like the most portly man on the stag do. Um, like we are never going to be all jacked or wearing those ridiculous karate trousers with bare ankles. We're just going to be like a normal bloke, but everyone's going to love us.
0: Edie, what are karate trousers?
2: You know, like, Oh, just
0: As in color. You know. orange trousers.
2: Okay. Literally any footballer's wedding that's that's been occurring on social media right now, you will see the carroty trousers. They are okay. thick for the quads. If you're a bit of a quadzilla, they can accommodate that. But rather than just giving a bit of room around the calves, they taper right in, and it's right, something okay. that needs to end. But okay. we can we can part that.
0: Okay, thank. But
2: but yeah, what I loved about the Premier League. Anytime we're in there, it's people. I I know very few people outside of Norwich that support Norwich. They will support other big teams, and they will always say, oh, you're lovely. You're so good. I like what you do. Such good fans. And it's very much that feeling of, like, we're, we're going out there with the personality. might have a bit of a dad bod, but we're, we're well-liked, and that is always very nice. Whereas championship, it's just slightly a bit more like kind of, rocking up and everyone's like oh do you think you are so you know it's, it depends do you want to be playing on story mode uh and just basically bossing it and not having much of a kind of story to you or do you want to be sort of being a brave little engine that could and everyone going oh aren't they good but we didn't get that this season we just got uh, you know proper joke talk and justifiably so so that's why this particular one has been a bit sourer than usual
0: What about you, Matt? What 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 is going to make you long for the (laughs) Premier League once we're out of it?
1: How am I supposed to follow that? (laughs) I went to a stag do once where there was an instruction to bring a game with you. And when we arrived, everyone had got like a pack of cards or whatever, and the, the best man said, no, I meant to bring your A game. Oh, I feel like oh my <laughs> word! That's amazing. Oh. I feel a little bit like I feel like maybe maybe Farker had given that instruction out at the beginning of the season, and you know Pookie rocked up with the finished version of Monopoly or something, and it was all a bit confusing. I, the thing I miss about the Premier League is what I um, what I love about the Premier League is what I love about FA Cup third round day. You know, back in the day when you you pulled you picked a a big club in the third round, and it was a it was the the anticipation, the excitement that possibly it could be a famous day that you'd remember. For a long, long time, but you usually lost those big games. And doing it every single week instead of one weekend in January is, is actually been pretty tedious. So it is exciting going to you know Man City or Anfield or or wherever and thinking this could be a really really special day, but there just weren't just every single every single weekend last season. It wasn't, and that's no fun. So not really looking forward. Not really going to miss that much. I don't think. Let's have
0: some listener questions, John.
3: Yeah, we've had Corkers this week, but I'll I'll restrict it to um to three. And I will tell you what, because we've talked, we've we've had quite a few questions about Stuart Weber, and I think we've talked about Stuart Weber enough in this podcast. So let's go with something different. We'll start with Luke Mayhew, who says, "Who has made a more significant contribution to Norwich City, Alan Gow or Billy Gilmore?" Thomas, why don't you start us off?
0: Uh, Alan Gow will always be synonymous with. Okay, do you remember we signed him? Conversations. Um, whereas Billy Gilmore, I think, I hope we forget played for Norwich um, because it's, that's been an example of what I, am looking forward to not being involved in the Premier League, which is the, almost the antithesis of what Edie said about you know being nice and don't we behave nicely? That like, it's just you should be grateful for what you've got, and it must be you using him wrong. Um, you know how can how can it possibly be his fault? Um, so yeah, Alan Gow for me.
3: Okay fair enough ed um what are you saying gal or gilmore
2: it's, it can't be gilmore i mean it's <laughs> like the equivalent of my bt sports subscription like i've paid for it, my bt sports subscription i'm in a contract i can't get out of it so occasionally it has its benefits but otherwise i feel like i have to kind of labor in order to make the most of it and am i really making the most of it or is it just wasting my time
0: Maybe you could give it to charity, like your things you shouldn't have bought.
2: Can you do that?
0: I don't know. I, mean, I don't
2: know what carrot trousers
3: are, don't ask me. You might be able to give them your your online password and then they watch via the app. I don't know.
2: And um, to watch charity, <laughs> local <laughs> children.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs>
3: now, now. Sorry. Play nice. All right, oh, no. let's I tell you what, Matthew, I'll give you another question then. Andrew Kent has asked. <laughs> Um, do we are do we try to sign players solely for a championship promotion push, or players that can make the step up to the Premier League once we get there? And um, he said he would ask if the two are mutually exclusive, but we've proven in recent years that they definitely are. So, what where would
1: you focus your energies? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we have to uh, take one step at a time. You know, next season is not uh, uh, you know killing time while we wait for another go at the Premier League. We actually have to. Uh, uh, go again and actually get promoted next season. There's no guarantee of that. We've got a strong, a strong enough base of a team, um, but this this is not a team at the moment. I'd feel with any confidence that we will boss the championship uh, next season. Um, and so I think we need to buy players for the moment we're in now, and let you know twelve months on from now, Stuart Webber and Dean Smith worry, worry about the the Premier League. I also think that. One of the things we've learned is that the the two divisions are really really different, and yeah. you know the money is going to be very different, and so salary expectations need to be different. But also the skills and type of team that we are needs to be different in the different leagues. So let's let's put together a championship team that can can win the championship and worry about the Premier League if we ever get back there again.
3: I mean, I'd, I'd be inclined to wholeheartedly agree with that, but it was only something that I read the other day about Brentford's approach to it. And Brentford were communicating, even, you know, kind of say three, four years ago to say, um, we are building a team that when we get to the Premier League, we feel will be comfortable to compete in the Premier League. And it was was that kind of long-term stated ambition. We don't care if it's going to take like seven, eight, nine years, but once we get there, we're going to feel comfortable that we've got a really good shot at staying there. And look, whether they stay there next season is is up for massive debate because we've seen, you know, your Sheffield United, um, you know, stay up for a season and, and then struggle. Your Huddersfields have, have done similar as well, but just thought it's interesting because the Brentford have always kind of delivered on what they've said they're going to do. Um, so I, I would be tempted to, to maybe even if it was with a view of, well, we're not quite certain that we're going to go up this season and accepting the financials might, might make that difficult. I, I don't know if we're not going to get, um, a load of money from American investors, I, I'd, I'd be quite interested to see us take that, that, that kind of more long-term approach. Edie, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm totally with you all. Um, it, it, there's absolutely no point anticipating something we may not be able to achieve if we actually haven't got our, uh, our vision on the, the first step, which is I thought something that like various mountain-based podcasts seem to talk a lot about. Just very much that thing of like, yeah, you've got that far away goal, but unless you can complete this, the what you see directly in front of you, then the goal becomes just a, a mirage. So, yeah, I think as well, like that's how we're going to find the gem in twenty rocks is work with twenty championship level rocks, and maybe one or two will come out and be ready to grow and develop and become something really special i'm very excited about um our academy intake they came out they look like they have a promising attitude and 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 also at the risk of sounding like an elderly grandmother seem to be very nice boys (laughs) Um, so um i I'd, i'd just like to see them start in the championship and then grow and develop and you know hopefully get to where they need to go because that's where that's how a lot of people have got there.
3: It'll be really interesting I think next season because it almost feels I don't know with a a lot of those academy products I was almost of the view that Dean Smith was going do you know what nothing else has worked so why don't you young lads have a go but Springer especially came in and I thought actually looked really purposeful and kind of ready-made for the way in which Norwich were or, you know, or have traditionally played. You know, he looked really considered in what he was doing, but with quite a bit of emphasis on, on shifting the ball forward. So, no, I'd I'd very much like to see him as part of a, a championship squad if he continues on the same trajectory. Um, Tom, let's have one last question, and this is from Bear Swift, who I always think is an excellent name. He's a regular questioner of the pod, um, who says, "Was there a manager?" a realistic appointment who could have kept us up. And he cites the example of Steve Cooper taking over at Forest a week after we'd hired Smith. Um, And he says, he's not saying that Smith's a bad appointment, but just wondered if there was anyone or whether it was just an impossible ask from the beginning.
0: It's not a bad appointment, but he failed in the job he was given. Um, I, I think the, the answer is probably no, simply because, Uh, I don't think the resources were there um I I think a a manager that was a realistic appointment I think we were only in a position to have someone who wouldn't charge unbelievable cash we couldn't afford to pay um you know we're not going to get a you know someone with the champions league experience unbelievable coach et etc because they're either in jobs or waiting for the next massive job so we're only going to get we could only get a jobs worth style in and around bottom of the premier league top of the championship style coach and I, I feel that I feel that any other coach could only have got us maybe a bit closer if the because of the Eder injury I, I think the Eder injury would have would have kind of hamstrung any any coach because we just simply didn't have the squad to withstand the um the way that covid affected us compared to other teams and the way that um the when when the injuries fell Uh, and going back to what matt said um no manager could have succeeded without with with an Emmy and a skip shaped hole um that wasn't plugged successfully so i you know I, i don't i don't I wouldn't I particularly like watching Steve Cooper's teams. I didn't like Swansea under him when I normally do like Swansea. Um, and I uh, didn't particularly like the way the Forest played or the bits I saw of him this season, which wasn't very much. Although, hey, you know, they've got the last laugh. They, they're going up. But, um, yeah, I, I I just think there were two. The, the, the odds were stacked far too much against uh, almost anyone take, taking it on, unless, unless either of you guys think I'm wrong and there is a, an obvious candidate. 80, I can kind
2: of, okay, so I've been thinking a lot about Alex Neil recently <laughs> because what's happened is at the moment, we've lost a manager who has a very clear vision, and I don't know if Dean Smith has a vision or not. I suspect that operating in this structure, reporting to Stuart Weber with a system that's created by Stuart Weber, that might explain some of the very red-faced body language during presses of late. Um, However, I just think if you're going to have this sort of insane noise at the top of all of this sort of like Gandhi quotes and things off of Elon Musk books and, you know, one minute it's all over here, the next minute it's all over there. You need someone actually between that and the players who is completely rigorous, a head case for rigor, like a complete nutter for rigor. And if, if you're going to have anyone doing that, it will be Alex Neal, a man who find himself famously um, for stepping outside of the boundaries. And I think, like, just giving everyone a clear understanding, even if that understanding is just like him staring at them with his eyes and then pointing at his eyes and then at them. Um, I think it's it's not like that would have worked any magic, but I think it might have helped the current situation. It's a bit of a mud pie at the moment.
0: At least he's got a bit of a personality.
2: He certainly does.
0: (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you very much for the questions. Appreciate your time, McGee and Edie. Punt, I acknowledge you exist. We haven't got a game to look forward to, although I am hoping that Hanley uh, gets some minutes against Ukraine. Um, Tonight in that uh, qualifier, we record this on Wednesday, ahead of that game, uh, or semi-final, is it referred to as a semi-final?
3: I think it's just a straight qualifier, isn't it? And just whoever wins out of that qualifier, I don't know. No, because the of... winner of
0: that has to play Wales.
3: Oh, I don't know. We're not paying any attention, mate.
0: Okay. it's not. It's, well, not,
3: anyway,
0: it's, not, it's not. It's not a. Uh well no the Premier League and international football doesn't need to be covered by this podcast for at least another year Um, we uh, appreciate your time this season we appreciate also we haven't been as regular with the episodes as we have been when there's been anything riding on the games to be honest it's difficult when the narrative hasn't changed much in in the last few months fair play to the the media outlets that that are either paid to sponsored and, and, and feel the need to put it out that is the one thing that we are lucky that if there's nothing to say and there hasn't been for three or four weeks we don't just drag ourselves up and talk about just say the same things again and again but uh, thank you for your company this season and we'll be back during the summer a couple of times at least I'm sure to talk about the exciting takeover, investment signings, departures Uh, and in the meantime just try and have a nice time, be kind to each other mind how you go.